Two Middle-Aged Men in Cleveland, episode 99. 99. Ken Dworznik, and I'm going to change your name. Yeah. I know you've been doing a lot of this. Uber <laughs> Klopp. What do you think of that? How does that work? That's, uh, I think that's, uh, if you're named after what you do uh, most frequently, that, that'd be it. Yep. Well, I like to either dedicate this. Eating Klopp would be the other one, but I think Uber's probably better. <laughs> Eating clop. Eating clop, like yes. I'd like to dedicate this episode to uh, one of the most famous 99s to ever play for the Cleveland Browns, Paul Kruger. How's Paul that? Paul Kruger. What about uh, Morpheus Roy? He is also in the mix. And then also, never to forget, Scott Fajita. Oh, boy. So, yeah, those are yeah. some amazing names. So. Scott Fajita uh, is what I call him. His actual name's Scott Fajita, but I used to. Call I was going to say, Fajita. I think I had some Scott Fajita the other night. Took well, Ted, I, I think many people think we're going to talk about the Cleveland Browns now. Maybe later. Maybe later, yeah. Uh, Cleveland Guardians, congrats to them. They'll be playing yeah. uh, the time we're recording this podcast. We'll be taking on the New York Yankees. Not going to talk about that. And the Cavs are starting soon. We're not going to talk about that. But you know what I want to talk about today? This gets me really excited because I'm a simple man. I have a feeling things get me very excited. No pun intended. Um, Mayor Bibb, who's done some wonderful things in the city of Cleveland since he's taken over, made a big announcement this past week. I'm not sure if you saw this or not. He will soon be installing smart parking meters throughout the city of Cleveland. What does that mean? They they know when to give you a ticket on their own or what? It's a possibility. Or I can park in Cleveland at one of the meters and use a credit card. Oh, get out of here. That's that's yeah. way too 19 uh, or maybe 2010 for this town. I think there's a, a, a two year process that we're going through but he is going his he, he wants to leave a legacy everybody wants to do that his legacy sure. is that he's going to convert the coin machines that everybody parks at to the smart parking meters my my legacy is going to be having popcorn at every ice rink in cleveland <laughs> uber clop uber clop right, well, i'll have my now does this mean that the parking fees are going to go up because uh, we have to pay for these right uh, that's a great question. We'll have to get someone much smarter than myself to give us more details. Yeah, I would imagine that the, the rates would go up. I don't think you're, what is it, a quarter for every uh, 15 minutes? Is that what it is right now? I, I think? think that's it now, yeah. That, yeah, that might go up a little bit because you got to pay for the, the credit card fees when you use it. Yeah, them. sure. I will tell you, the simpli- simplicity of using that will be absolutely amazing. Yeah, so, yeah, nice. I, I think I did find a group, this is the last kind of business thing I have. I did Ooh. find a group that I think could help pay for these parking meters. It's all of the people that own casinos in Ohio. Because in last last month, all the Ohio casinos reported a revenue. I hope you're sitting down. I am. Of $188.6 million. Wow. That's, the, that's well over a month. Yeah, and the previous month they did okay too, because they did 185 million dollars. So in two months, once again, my math is not the strongest. You're over uh, quarter of you're a million. Over, you're over 400 million, almost at 400 million dollars yeah. in revenue. Yeah, I, I think these people can get involved and help us pay for some parking meters. Uh, yeah, yeah, I I agree. The Jack just, Casino, by the way, just down yeah. the street from. From where, where uh, you're located, yeah. um, $21.9 million in revenue mm. in September. So. It's tough. It's real and that's tough. after they pay all their bets and all that stuff to people that won. That's, that's their, that's that's their uh, profit. Yeah, they're, they're, they're doing pretty well. So I, I, I wanted to okay. report that. I would say they are safely in the black. Yes, that's, that's yeah. very well said. Very well said. Wow. All right. Well. We might talk some Guardians and Browns a little later, but uh, we're also going to have some uh, overachievers. We've got lots of overachievers this weekend, even some good news about one. 
Cleveland historian John Grabowski is stopping by to talk about a Cleveland journalism legend. A Cleveland sports expert, Dusty Sloan, will be here to talk about a great Browns coach. I'll give you a clue. It's a conversation about something called Marty Ball. Mm. In Klopp's clips, a man disputes a charge with direct TV over something he says his dog did. Oh, boy. And in our misspeak of the week, guess who President Biden called out at a recent press conference? And now, a woman's perspective. Why do so few men end up in heaven? They never stop to ask directions. This has been A Woman's Perspective. Overachiever segment. And we have quite a bit, as you mentioned, Ted. We'll start with a Mexican acrobat. You don't hear that very often. Now owns <laughs> two world records. Not one, but two. Yeah. Got the longest duration to perform a single arm handstand by a man and the longest duration to perform a handstand on a rotating platform by a man. Well, good for him. Nicholas Montas de Aca. How about that? Nicholas yeah. Montas de Aca performed a single arm handstand at 71.82 seconds, beating the record of 59.23 seconds. Is there is there any truth to the rumor that when he did this, he said, my name is Antigua Montoya. I killed your father. Prepare to die. <laughs> he Just might curious. have. He might I thought have. that was his surname or his, his stage name. Go ahead. Now, Nicholas wasn't done. He earned his second world record by performing a handstand for 25.78 seconds atop a rotating platform. This is really impressive. He started out as a juggler in the circus. That's not surprising. Um, but switched to studying handstand routines after breaking a foot. Well, well, he was on the IR. I guess so, yeah. And moved to a different type of position. Good for him. Congrats. I wonder if he's. I wonder if he's going to go after the record of. Uh, you ever see that thing they do at the in, in the NBA at uh, halftime or the quarter where the woman gets up on the unicycle and flips the flips the dishes onto her head? Oh. I think I think he should go for you know maybe. Handstand rotating while twirling dishes. Oh, well, I think he's got to watch what he's doing because he's, I mean, he broke his foot. So yeah, I think he might be limited on, on his abilities to do that, but Hey, congratulations to Nicholas Monteas Diaca. I mean, this is, this is getting it done. Let's be honest. All right. Well, we have more. A British gardener earned a Guinness world record for growing a 56. Who put this in here? A 56.3 inch long leak. Huh. 56.3 inch long leak. Derek Hume <clears throat> grew his leak on his property and then entered it in the Canna UK National Giant Vegetable Championship where its length was officially verified. He said COVID had prevented him from taking his leaks. I've never, <laughs> I've never heard of a, I've never heard of a measurement with leaks. I know that the longest leak you've taken is about thirty-five to forty seconds. If that's, yeah, well, that's yeah. When I when I take my uh, pills that uh, allow that to happen, yeah, that's, yeah, uh, yeah. I um, I don't know what to say here. You don't know what to say. We'll just yeah, we'll move on uh, to the last one. That's a long leak. I'll say that. Yep. And the, finally, another overachiever, a 2,554-pound pumpkin is a new U.S. and North American record, according to the organizers of a festival in New York. Scott Andritz of Williamsville, New York, I've actually been there, grew the giant. It will be on display on Sunday at the Great Pumpkin Farm in Clarence, New York. Here's okay. the question I have. Yeah. How, how, do you, how do you weigh that? You get a crane out and pick it up? I, I, I actually think they did. I think I saw a picture and they have a crane. Yes, I think that's what they do. 2,554. Is that 
the pumpkins you're going to pick for the family this year? That's, and put uh, no. The house? No, that's how much pumpkin pie I'm going to eat between now and <laughs> Halloween. <clears throat> oh, boy. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, there you go. Oh, Time for the Browns breakdown. And I'm joined by Riley Dworsnik. He's a freshman at Medina High School. And usually we call this the Browns breakdown, but we're going to talk about all the Cleveland sports today, which will include the Cleveland Guardians as well as the Cleveland Cavaliers. And Riley had one of his first experiences on Sunday as he actually attended the Cleveland Browns game as they played, oh boy, the Los Angeles Chargers and lost. 30 to 28. First of all, Riley, talk about your experience and what it was like to be at First Energy Stadium for the first time. It was a pretty cool experience. I, uh, go ahead. What did you like about most about the experience? Uh, I like the chants. Explain what the chants are. The barking. Here we go, brownies. Here we go. Hoo, hoo. That is fun. Was it packed? Yeah, it was. Did you see a lot of people acting strangely? Yeah, I did. Okay, fair enough. A lot uh, of yelling. Well, up the so ground. obviously, looking at the game, losing thirty to twenty-eight, they had a chance at the end to kick a field goal. Katie York missed it. What is your thoughts about the game? Did you ever think, okay, the Browns could win this, or did you always have a feeling like, you know, the Chargers are going to come back? I mean, early in the game, they're up fourteen nothing. So, what was your thoughts on the game itself? Well. uh, I really thought they could win it when they were uh, up by 14 points. And right at the end, uh, when the Chargers turned o- turned it over on downs, I really thought they were going to win it. And then Kid York missed the field goal. Yeah, I thought the same thing. What's the part? Who Who's one of the highlights, you think, for the Browns right now? Who's playing the best? Uh, uh, I'm going to say Nick Chubb. He has, he's, most, he's most of their offense right now, honestly. He's yes. very... He's like the best running back in the league, in my opinion. He is. Yardage-wise right now, going into week number six, he has the top yards of any running back, even more than Saquon Barkley. So the offense, I thought, did pretty well. What was your thoughts on Jacoby Brissett, the quarterback? What did you think? How did he play? I thought he played pretty well, except for the interception at the end. Yeah, I agree with that. And it seems like they try to get some of the receivers back in the mix. Amari Cooper, I think, is pretty good. And David Njoku did a couple things. What's your thoughts on the defense? What, what, what's going on there? What do you What do you think is is happening defensively? Uh, I think that they just need to get them all on the same page. Maybe fire the defensive coordinator. I don't know. Certainly seems like that. Boy, they just once again giving up big plays and having trouble. The part that I was very discouraging with the game itself. The Chargers came into this game, I think, is one of the worst rushing teams in the NFL. And as, as we talk here, I'm looking at the stats for the game. The official running stats for Los Angeles was 238 yards on the ground. That is a lot. Now the Browns themselves had 213, but did you, did you think that if going to this game that you, did you think that the chargers be able to run the ball as well as they did against the Browns? No, no, I thought the same thing. Just really tough. So more players injured. Denzel Ward, he was he he's suffering through a concussion, and Jadavian Clowney and I, and I also thought that uh, Miles Garrett played pretty decent games, but just weren't that much of a factor. I think it came down to inability. But did you, from where you were sitting and all that, did it look like the Browns just were not very good at tackling? Seems like the Chargers had three or four. No, they were awful at tackling opportunities. Yeah, to get down the field. My gosh, just crazy. Well, going to have to get things back together as they uh, will be taking on the Patriots here very soon. But uh, we'll move on to another sport that you kind of know pretty well. The game of baseball and the Cleveland Guardians won their series against the Tampa Bay Devil Rays two games to none. I actually had the opportunity to go to the game on Saturday. Gosh, that was a long day. 15 innings. That was a long game. But uh, what's your Did thoughts? You going- the whole thing? I actually stayed till the 10th inning. So we... we- we felt we should be doing something else. And I know a lot of people will chastise us for leaving, but we're kind of superstitious. And if things aren't going the way it should, you got to do something different. So that's what we did. 
Um, but going into the obviously the series with the Yankees, what's your thoughts on the on the Guardians? Talk about some of your favorite players and and uh, what's been most exciting about following the Guardians this year. Uh, some of my favorite players on the team are uh, Jose Ramirez, Stephen Kwan, and uh, Rosario. Yeah. I think their offense and defense are both really good, and I think we have a shot at winning this series against the Yankees. It should be interesting. You know, you play a shortened series. You're not playing a full seven game like they do for the division series. So, so you got to win three games. And uh, with the way the pitching staff that the Guardians have set up right now, they, they certainly have an opportunity. Their defense is really good. I mean, they got some speed. Yeah. I guess my only concern would be hitting. You know, you play two games and you didn't have a ton of runs and, you know, the Yankees are going to score. So it's a matter of, of the Guardians being able to do that. But uh, you've had the opportunity. Have you been had the opportunity to go to a progressive field before? Have you not to watch a baseball? Yes, game? I have. Yeah. What do you think experience. of that experience? What do you think of that field? It's a very nice field. I would agree. And they, it was uh, it was pretty neat to be in that atmosphere with thirty two thousand fans running around, and there was a lot of people acting oddly too. I'm not going to lie. So, but that, you're going to see that at, at sporting events. Well, the last sport we're going to talk about, and they're going to kick off here pretty soon. When and you could tell me when their season starts before I can talk about the Cleveland Cavaliers. A lot of excitement. Got uh, made the big trade to get Donovan Mitchell, and uh, they have a pretty good lineup. When do the Cavs start, Riley? Is it this week? Next week? I think it's sometime next. Yeah, I think it's sometime it's next week or week. the week after. Yeah, I think we got some yeah. time before they start. Well, what's your thoughts going into the season? Obviously, last year. Low expectations, and the Cavs obviously made the playoffs and lost to Atlanta. But this year, I think the expectation is a little bit higher, don't you think? Yeah, I think so. I think they should at least get to the second round, if not the final, the uh, the conference finals. Conference finals, yeah. I think that would be a good, really good goal for them to win, you know, certainly one round of the playoffs in advance and that. And I think with the group they have and, and obviously with their coach, I think they'll have the opportunity. Who are some of your favorite players on the team? Who are you looking forward to, to playing this year? Oh, I like watching Donovan Mitchell, Evan Mobley, Jared Allen, and Darius Garland. Those are my so, favorite players on the team. From watching last year and then obviously with the addition of Mitchell, who do you think who's the most one of the most important players on the team that you think will help the team gel and, and the success of the team will be based on one specific player or a couple different players. What's your thoughts? Is there one player that can make a huge oh, difference for them this year? I think Donovan Mitchell definitely because he's going to give him a lot of offense. And I think uh, Isaac Okoro needs to step up or otherwise they should put in Karis Levert as their small forward. How about that? Well, we might have to talk to Sam Amico to get you on some of his podcasts to break down the Cavs. That was a pretty good breakdown. Any other thoughts on the, on the Cavs season or the Cleveland sports season as we kind of wrap things up here? Uh, no, no other thoughts. Okay. Well, thank you for the time. Congrats. Uh, freshman at Medina high school, running some cross country. You got a couple of meets left this year. What do you have left? Uh, I have the last chance meet where it's basically, uh, your last chance to get a personal record. And then after that, we have conference finals and hopefully state meet the state meet. Obviously, you're running for a very good team. I think your team is one of the Medina High School itself is one of the top teams and not not only in Northeast Ohio, but the state of Ohio. So it's it's pretty impressive. Well, Riley, best of luck on the rest of your uh, high school year as a freshman. And we appreciate the time talking some Cleveland sports. And I have a feeling we're going to be doing this segment again very soon with you. So thank you so much. Thank you. Ted, we were out and about Northeast Ohio, actually in Northeast Ohio. We weren't on location this time. And uh, I just have two quick ones. The first is that I had the opportunity, and it's been a long time since I've been there. I broke down. Awen and I went to the Guardians baseball game last Saturday. The 15-inning extravaganza. with. uh, Did you stay the whole time? Um, I don't lie on this podcast, as you know. We did not. So what, what inning we, did you leave? We left after the eleventh. Okay. Part of the reason is because we ran out of beer. Well, yeah, that's a good so reason we, to leave. So we opted to go. 
I think this is a place that's near and dear to your heart. The Thirsty Parrot. Oh, yeah. Right across, right across the, street, the street. Yeah. It was a blast. I mean, it's I been bet. a long time since, you know, we've had a sporting event, obviously playoffs. We've had other playoffs, but everybody was kind of like in the same boat. Everybody was jovial. Everybody's, you know, giving each other handshakes and slapping hands. And then the, the, the final homer. Oh, my. And the game was super loud. I mean, I, I thought the building was going to explode because once again, there's a delay between live action radio and television. Sure. And so there's a guy next to me jumping up and down like he just, I mean, frankly, won the World Series. And I'm thinking, <laughs> OK, something's going to happen. And then, you know, we look on TV and we see Oscar hitting the homer. And yeah, it was it was fun. I actually saw one of my cousins there and then. Afterwards, we opted to, you know, continue celebrating. So we went to the continue Mars the bar in Lakewood. Yeah. Had a gyro. Had it for you. Oh, okay. Great stuff. All right. Uh, yeah, that, that was my out and about. Kind of limited this week. A lot of work. You know, it's, it's getting, it's affecting what I can do and how I can get out during the week. But we're going to try to change that here in the next couple of weeks, Ted. Yeah. You deserve, you deserve some good out and abouts. Now I, 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 like I throw that. the, I throw the <laughs> lasso over to you. Yeah. Mr. Uber Klopp. And well, uh, I can what do tell we have? you that, uh, uh, the, uh, fifth grade tackle football postseason party had some killer pizza <laughs> and, uh, and chicken, uh, uh, uh strips. Okay. From, uh, uh, Donato's maybe, I don't remember where it was okay. from. Okay. Um, and, uh, some good hot chocolates out in uh, out in uh, Rocky River at the uh, ice rink. Oh, oh yeah, and, and in uh, in uh, Illyria, Illyria, Illyria's ice rink only has three walls, so you don't want to play there in January or February. It only has three walls, really. Yeah, the fourth wall is just a gate, a fence. Oh, to the outside. <laughs> Correct. Wow. Yeah. Well. I'm thinking about this as we move forward because your hockey season's beginning and will last till I think you play in March, right? Um, it's usually over in February. I think maybe March okay. if there's playoffs, but it's a, it's a long season. I think you're doing a great job of updating people on the concession stand. I think <clears throat> each month you should give out the top hot spots for concessions top. and who's got okay. the best hot dog, hot okay. chocolate. And, and soft drinks. I, I think you, reviews with ten concession clocks. reviews. Yes. Okay. All right. Very detailed. We'll like Doug Trader used to uh, used to do. For, I'll find some uh, some tremendously uh, appropriate uh, sound effects for that. That would be great. Okay. That would be great. Well, I'm glad you were out and about. Cleveland, this is for you. More Cleveland sports, more football, more with Dusty Sloan. What more can you ask for? Dusty's our uh, Cleveland sports expert. And Dusty, today we're remembering someone who was instrumental in Cleveland football, born on um, uh, September 23rd, 1943, Marty Schottenheimer. Arguably one of the uh, best coaches, maybe not one of the best coaches in kind of the, uh, maybe not arguably, I should say, uh, the best coach in the, uh, modern isn't the right way to put it, but uh, I don't know, the post-Jim Brown era, you know, uh, the the post-dominant years of the Browns. Um, He coached for obviously the Browns and, was with the Chiefs and the Chargers, coach of the year in in 2004. Unfortunately, he uh, passed away last year. But, uh, Dusty, what are your thoughts on uh, Marty Schottenheimer and, as uh, was dubbed at the time, Marty Ball? Yeah, th- this one's got a uh, very soft spot in my heart because, obviously, this is the era when I started following the Browns and football and things like that. And, um, the, the Bernie Kosar era, the Webster Slaughter era, those types of players. Then he came in and halfway through the 84 season, he took over for Sam Ritigliano and he said he didn't want to be an interim head coach. He wanted to be the coach. So they 
never made him an interim, and he basically turned their fortunes around real quick. And a lot of people don't remember. They remember the drive. They remember the fumble. They remember all the problems with John Elway and things like that. But in 1985, they went 8-8 eight and eight and won the Central Division and was leading, if I remember right, 21-3 to at one point at Miami in 1985 in the first round of the playoffs. They had that game won before Dan Marino decided he was going to score three touchdowns and beat us that day. But we had dominated a team like the Miami Dolphins in the playoffs in 85, which kind of set up 86, and then on to the rest of the time that Marty Schottenheimer was here in Cleveland. But unfortunately, he got in a, in a uh, match with Art Modell, and we all know that the owner wins. So he was <laughs> around as long as we would have hoped he would have been, but uh, he had a lot of great success. I mean, in my mind, he should be a Hall of Fame head coach. Yeah, I would agree with you. I mean, you look at some of the numbers. I mean, obviously, he had the success with the Browns, and then he did well with the Chiefs and all that and had some success with the Chargers. Dusty, I know you have a little bit of a, a personal story because I know you interviewed Marty Schottenheimer when he was coaching for a different league. Is that correct? Yes. When I was the uh, chief content writer of the United Football League, I made it a point that I knew we were going to announce him as the head coach of the Virginia Destroyers in uh, Norfolk down now. Virginia Beach down that way and uh, I made sure that I drove all the way from Ashland Ohio down to Virginia Beach to make sure I was there for that interviewed him in the back of the rental car for about 15 minutes and uh, it was a highlight for sure and actually Marty didn't get a chance to win a league championship in the NFL but he ended up doing it in the UFL so he was able to go out with a league championship after all but he was a he was a great man and a great coach and uh, sorry that unfortunately he had to pass away the way he did with Alzheimer's, but uh, his stamp on Brown's history is complete and never changing. Well, I'll share a uh, quick story. When I worked in uh, Mansfield in 1999, when the Browns came back and they had the expansion draft in Cleveland, we came and covered that and the network covering it was ESPN and the analysts sitting on the set in the auditorium, I think it was at the um, the old, uh, uh, what am I trying to, the downtown, uh, uh, not music hall, but uh, public hall, public hall. Public hall, yeah. And um, the analyst on the set was Marty Schottenheimer. And it was, he walked in and it was like the Beatles or God had just arrived. <laughs> and I mean, the place went bananas. And when it was over, he was there. I, I, we were gone, and he was still mobbed, signing autographs. You know, I mean, it was it was super for him, and it was neat to see. So it was a uh, different era back then, and people still. I mean, we're talking thirty, almost forty years later, and there is a reverence and a love for that era that that I don't think any Browns team, short of a Super Bowl championship, would be able to replace. Yeah. Boy, without a doubt, without a doubt. Well, Marty Schottenheimer, uh, certainly one of the most popular coaches in Browns history. And uh, during that era, uh, certainly one of the most successful. Dusty, thank you for your time. Thanks, fellas. Cleveland, this is for you. Ted, you can really buy this. And I know at times I, I talk about very expensive types of things that you can purchase. But I've kind of changed my thought process. So I, I want to you know, continue to support Cleveland restaurants and bars. I do that by out and about. But I want to kind of let people know about a couple different places. So Cleveland Scene, which we know very well, they came out with their best restaurants, food and drink in 2022. This was based on a bunch of different readers going on and filling out polls. And I just wanted to kind of highlight some of the top places that were named, which I think many of these places will, will certainly know. Okay. So the best restaurant was actually named, uh, or I should say, the, the best restaurant in Cleveland was actually voted the Marble Room which I know you've been to many a times in Cleveland on Euclid Avenue. The uh, best local snack, which is kind of in your area. I'm not sure if you've been there or not. 
Coco Bakery. Have you been there in Coventry? Uh, Coventry? No. No, I I have heard of it. I have not been there. And uh, let's just be clear here. I've been to the Marble Room many times while working. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I, I must say I've not been there myself. I think you're I think I'm in the wrong income bracket to eat there. Yeah, that's a that's a super nice place. Yes. Uh, best seafood market was Kate's Fish on West 25th Street. Okay. Best new restaurant, Sense Pizza on Lorraine Avenue. Best coffee, I, I completely concur with this. Rising Star. I mean, I I, I think their stuff is just amazing. Um, let's see what else we have. Best French fries. This is another place in your neck of the woods, and they were also named the best vegetarian restaurant, Tommy's Restaurant in Cleveland Heights. Have you been there? Uh, I have not. You have to check that out. Okay. Best German restaurant, Das Schnitzel House in Parma. Oh, well, what else is there? Best Mexican restaurant. I've been here many times, and I highly recommend it. Plaza Supermarket in Lakewood. Yeah. Um, well, there's just so many. I want to give the highlights here. Best Japanese restaurant, Shinto in Strongsville. You've been there, have you not? I think so. Best Chinese restaurant, Li Hua, which I've talked about a couple episodes before. Best Vietnamese restaurant, Saigon. Best seafood restaurant, Aqua de Luca, which is very good on St. Clair. Best desserts, a place that we need to go. My neighbors have told me about this. Rude Food and Pie in Lakewood. Best Irish restaurant. I don't know if you've been here or not. Stone Mad in Cleveland on West 65th Street. Best Polish restaurant. I had an item. Prosperity Social Club. That's also on Stark Weather. And best vegan restaurant. Cleveland Vegan in Lakewood. What a surprise on that. Oh, they better be named that. I agree. That name. Best brunch was the Rally Inn, which is across the street from the Christmas House. Have you been there? I know no, you've been to no. the Christmas House. Have you been to the Rally Inn? No. No. Well, we have to start getting you to these places. Gunzelman's Tavern was named the best burger in Fairview Park. Edison's was the best late night eats on Professor Avenue in Cleveland. And we will wrap up with the best barbecue. Actually, it was Woodstock Barbecue in Lakewood. We actually did the food for my... I thought you were going to say Marty Allen. Marty... <laughs> By the way, he's a great follow on Facebook. He looks like yeah. stuff that he makes, man. I'm, I'm, I'm telling oh, you. Oh, yeah. But uh, wanted to name some of the best food in Cleveland uh, from our friends at Cleveland Scene. And you need to go out and you need to buy all of it because it's great food and beverage here. The most trusted name in journalism, Klops Clips. Ken, the news you didn't hear, but need to hear. A New York man is accused of trying to hide three Burmese pythons while crossing the U.S.-Canadian border. Calvin Batista facing the charges. He apparently tried to smuggle the trio of one of the world's largest snakes across the border in his pants. Oh, come on. In his come pants. On. No. Yeah. Apparently that's that didn't not, work out. That's not good. Is that a snake in your pants? Why, yes, it is. Two temp workers apparently fought each other with grass trimmers one morning at Holy Cross Cemetery in Brook Park. The two men were apparently using the trimmers to trim around the headstones when they started arguing and raised their trimmers. A third worker saw the fight. The cemetery groundskeeper called police. They referred the case to the prosecutor's office. No word on charge. What do you charge them with? Aggressive use of a trimmer. <laughs> That's, That's not going to fly here at Holy Cross. No, we're not. We're not doing that my here. Face. Aggressive use of a trimmer. Uh, a North Carolina man has finally gotten a charge from Directv reversed. Back in 2019, the man disputed a $70 charge for ordering the Hustler channel. Thomas Barnes claims, he claims his dog hopped on the bed and hit the wrong button on the remote. 
I bet he also claims that the dog ate his homework. But anyhow, yes. as he called the DirecTV immediately, they told him they'd reverse the charge. But it took three years and the FCC's involvement to resolve the situation. Three years? Three My years. Gosh. 2019. Here we are in 2022. Wow. All because a dog jumped on the bed. And my guess is that he ordered the Hustler channel right after they gave him the reverse charge. Yes. He bought it again. He celebrated. In uh, in sports, the Guardians are World Series champions. Really? Don't, don't blame me. Yeah. Just ask Alexa. Alexa, who won Saturday's game between the Guardians and the Tampa Bay Rays? In game two of the AL wildcard series. The Cleveland Guardians beat the Tampa Bay Rays 1-0. The Guardians won the series two games to zero. They are the 2022 World Series champions. Hey! That's awesome! All right! Good for us! Yeah! That's awesome. the parade. We don't even need to play the next series. It's over. Yeah. We're done. Alexa said so. Yep. Football. The Browns. Uh... Snatched defeat from the jaws of victory, and I would tell you that uh, they are who we thought they were. But they are who we thought they were. That's what I said. I said they are who we thought they were. But they are who we thought uh, they were. Yeah. No. I mean, is that what you think, Ken? No, there's no doubt they are who we thought they were. But they are who we Pretenders. thought they were. Mm-hmm. And uh, 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 lastly, uh, CBS number one football analyst, Tony Romo, was calling the Patriots-Packers game 10 days ago with Jim Nance, and he offered this interpretation of some instructions Green Bay quarterback Aaron Rodgers ga- gave to his, to his center. Patriots are not ready. Ooh, did you hear that? He said, you've got to snap the ball. A little quicker, guys. So that's what I thought I heard. <laughs> I want to hear that again. I got to hear that one more time. Patriots are not ready. Ooh, did you hear that? He said, you've got to snap the ball. A little quicker, guys. So that's what I thought I heard. That's what I thought I heard. Jim Nance hopping in with the best single line an announcer could have in that situation. Oh, my gosh. That's outstanding. So, Tony Romo lets us know what's going on. And Jim Nance deadpans the whole thing. What we got, I'm Ted Klopp, and that's news to me. Time for another Cleveland history lesson, and our uh, professor of Cleveland history, John Grabowski, is with us. And, John, we're going to talk about um, arguably, and maybe it's not even arguable, the most well-known journalist in Cleveland history, Dorothy Fuldheim, Mm -hmm. Uh, certainly uh, well-known in Cleveland and nationally uh, during her time as a commentator and news person at Channel 5. Uh, and came uh, to prominence during a time when there were not a lot of female reporters who were uh, in in that line of work. Yeah, yeah, just amazing. I mean, you know, Dorothy's born in 1893, and by the time she started in television, she was you know pretty near the age of retirement. Uh, but she was born in New Jersey, moved to Milwaukee, and, and then came to Cleveland with her first husband. And uh, she started out as a lecturer, doing lectures, and, huh. uh, and then ended up at one of our early radio stations, WTAM, and uh, did, did interviews. She did historical uh, sketches on the radio. Um, and by the 1930s, she was traveling the world to do interviews with people. So in 1932, she uh, interviewed Adolf Hitler. So, yeah. so she 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 had this international reputation very early on, and it was on radio. So, and and she joined what became WEWS just before it even went on the air in 1947. Mm-hmm. You're right. 
she was a female, not only interviewer, but a female authority. She had her own TV show at that time. It wasn't a cooking show. It wasn't a Fran Kukla and Ollie show. It was a very solid program that took on current events. It took on issues that were, you know, even on the radio, she was talking about birth control and other issues. And she really, she so forceful personality. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. She, uh, she was not a tall person. She was a pretty tiny person, but uh, her, her stature was certainly the opposite of, of her height or mm-hmm. her, her, her presence was much bigger th- uh, than, than she was physically. One of the things that uh, uh, is very well known was her interview with a a gentleman named Jerry Rubin. Yes. Uh, You want to uh, tell us a little bit about this situation where she, where she didn't back down. No, Jerry Rubin was a, was a yippie, the founder of the yippie movement. He was one of the Chicago seven accused of uh, helping start the riots, if you will, the protests at the democratic national convention. And, uh, he, he was interviewed by her and uh, and basically he, he made a few remarks that she she objected to. Uh, uh, he basically I forget what what he said. Uh, he called the police pigs. Yes. And, yes. And, he was and, very anti-police. as I was Right. And and Dorothy Fulton came back and said, well, you know, I have some friends who are policemen. And then he shot back and apparently pulled a picture of a nude woman out of a book and showed it to her. <laughs> Uh, and this went back and forth and they argued and she finally threw the book away and told him to get off the program. Yep. It's, it's the one person that she, she kicked off the program. But Unbelievable. She, she touched base with all the presidents. I think shortly before uh, she got ill, I think she uh, uh, interviewed Ronald Reagan. Uh, I, this, this is an amazing individual. Yeah. And most people will remember her as short and redheaded and and very old at the time, but that was not not the way she needed to be seen. She was authoritative and one of the most learned, connected people in Cleveland media history. Some would say old, others might say wise and learned. Learned, yes, yeah. <laughs> very smart and very bold in what she said and how she presented things and. You know, outside of Ruben, she did a lot, a lot of controversial figures and brought them onto that Absolutely. show. And, and this is the heyday of Cleveland TV. Absolutely. And correct me if I'm I'm wrong, but uh, uh, these famous people, uh, for whatever reason that they were famous, being interviewed by Dorothy Fulltime was kind of a bucket list item for them, mm-hmm. as opposed to. You know, oh well, I'd like to meet so and so sometime. Being interviewed by her was a big deal for them. Yeah, it was, and that, and they they would ask to be interviewed by her, and and it was a mark. And and this gets to you know one of the factors that that this is again a person of stature, national and even international stature, in in, in Cleveland on on a local TV outlet. Unbelievable. Yeah. yeah. Unbelievable. Yep. Yeah. Well. Uh, passed away uh, at the age of 96 in 1989, certainly lived an amazing life. Yeah. And uh, John, we appreciate uh, your insight on this uh, um, icon yeah. of, of Cleveland journalism. Yeah, I think we could close by saying that Jerry Rubin turned into a businessman. <laughs> <laughs> well, for anybody who's not familiar, I know it's on YouTube. Go watch Dorothy Fulltime interview Jerry, Jerry Rubin. Jerry Rubin. And then yep. if you, you know, when you, knowing that he turned into a businessman, <laughs> you, you won't connect the dots there at all. No, no, no. All right, John. Well, thank you very much. You're very welcome, Ted. Thank you. This Speak of the Week here. And now this is from just after our last episode, but here it is. President Biden speaking at a hunger conference. He thanks some of the lawmakers involved in the bill that he was talking about. Let's let's take a listen here. I want to thank all of you here for including bipartisan elected officials like Representative Governor, Senator Braun, Senator Booker, Representative Jackie, are you here? Where's Jackie? I didn't think she was she was going to be here.
She, she must not be here. Now, let me <laughs> clarify here. The problem is that Jackie, the Jackie he's calling out for is a congresswoman, Jackie Walorski. She's the leader on addressing childhood hunger, or at least she was. In August, she passed away in a car accident. Oh, my gosh. Oh, jeez. Where's Jackie? Um, she she can't be here, Mr. President. My oh, gosh. Can she stop by later? Uh, no, no, she can't. The, uh, the, the White House offered the explanation that the deceased representative was simply top of mind for the president on the issue. They cannot make him look any worse. I, I mean, I, I, I just they, they set this guy up all the time. We have had so many of these misspeaks, and it's because the press secretary or whoever is putting together his speech writers just do not help him out. The poor man. Where's he Jackie? Might... Where's Jackie? I don't know, Ken. If I think of somebody who is uh, deceased and they're on my mind, I don't ask if they're nearby. And if, I'll be honest, if Jackie was there, I would run. I would yes. be out of there so fast. That'd be that'd be a heck of a story. God bless her. My gosh. Yeah. We'd have to put that in cops clips instead yeah. of uh, the misspeak of the week. Wow. But uh, that is our misspeak of the week. All right, Ted, we have some good news. This could be also an overachiever. So I don't know if we've ever had a segment where we've had something that is good news and an overachiever at the same time. Have them both. Okay. Wrestler and movie star John Cena now holds the Guinness World Record for granting the most wishes through the nonprofit Make-A-Wish Foundation. Oh, my God. The foundation helps fulfill the wishes of children between the ages of 2 and 18 who have been diagnosed with a critical illness. John Cena has granted, get this, 650 wishes since he started working with them 20 years ago. Boy, that's that's a guy, that's, that's a impressive for others. That is I'll tell you, crazy. yeah, that is a man for others. The impressive thing is, I'm wondering how they documented because, from what I understand, when he does these, you you can't see them. <laughs> it's, it's a little little wrestling humor there, but oh you know, my gosh! In all honesty, uh, great work by uh, John Cena. That is a tremendous charity, and you know some celebrities uh, don't do charity work, or they think they're too good for it, or whatever. And John Cena doesn't run around pounding his chest about this. But Make-A-Wish certainly wants to recognize him, and I'm glad they did because, uh, uh, you know, seems like an all-around good guy, and this is just more evidence of that. There's no doubt. Hats off to John Cena. Great guy. Ted, that's our good news. Oh, no, not a dad joke. What kind of car... Does Frankenstein drive? Uh, I don't know. A monster truck. That joke was horrible. Coming to the end of our 99th episode, Ken. This is unbelievable that here we are, 99 episodes in, which means two weeks from now we will be celebrating the century mark. Uh, wow. I know we've talked about this. Have we... Uh, and by we, I mean you, of course. <clears throat> Have we come up with uh, any ideas as to how we will commemorate this momentous occasion? Ted, I know we'll celebrate the 100th the way we should. Done right. The yeah. ideas on that? Nothing at this time. Nothing at this time. Okay. Working on To be on determined. It. To be determined. Okay. It's a coach's decision. We'll be ready. Okay. I, we'll be ready. I like that. All right. Well, uh, uh, next time we talk, we'll be uh, right near Halloween. Um, I think we, I don't know if we, I know we asked uh, Jen Brazdovich uh, last time what she was going to go with for Halloween. Do you have, uh, I think you said you're going to go as a middle-aged man. Is that? Uh, yeah, that middle-aged man. I've done that one for a couple of years now. A couple of years. Okay. Well, I don't know, you know. 
I can maybe dress up as a coach of the Browns who more than likely will get fired. I could do something to that extent, I guess. I don't know. Right. I, I need to come up with some ideas, something clever. I know you always have something. What what, what do you have? I, um, I, I'm, I'm going to go as a hockey dad this time. From Shakers? I, yeah, I'm just going to carry the hockey bags around while they trick or treat. So get this my, is the... <laughs> Get my workout, get my steps, the whole the whole thing. I'm oh gonna my. take all three bags, and I'll figure out a way to. Get, and and there's sticks, sticks, leg pads. Oh, how about this? So my youngest son got his first taste of goalie in a game this past uh, weekend. I asked him what he thought of it. He said, "I love it. I want to play goalie every time." <laughs> so we may have not one, not two. But three goalies in the house. Oh my gosh! Yep, that's classic. Yep, I'm going to be starting a uh, a support group for goalie dads here pretty soon because um, your uh, your blood pressure goes up exponentially every time the puck crosses the blue line. I don't know if you're yes. aware of that. Yes, but, there's uh, no doubt. Yeah, three goalies in one clubhouse. Could be. I love it. I love it. Yeah. Well, Ted, another great episode. Uh, hats off to John Grabowski and Dusty Sloan, as well as uh, Riley Dworsnick stepping in for us today. To talk about yeah, good analysis. Sports. Yeah, he did a fine job. He's starting to get up to speed on the sports. And I told him, man, focus on something else. Don't do this. <laughs> yeah. Just don't yeah. Do that. yeah, this is as close as you want to get to that. Well, Ted, looking forward to celebrating episode 100. In a few weeks. Until that time, don't forget, we're just two middle-aged men in Cleveland. Two Middle-Aged Men in Cleveland is sponsored by Westminster AV. Custom audio-visual packages for all occasions. Jackie, are you here? Where's Jackie? I didn't think she was going to be here.